everybody. Welcome back to the We the Branches podcast. I hope you've had a good week since I spoke to you last, and I hope this second week of January has treated you well. Um, I started going through all of my clothes to do a little closet purge. Well, not a little. It was a huge closet purge. I literally went through all of my clothes, and Honestly, I thought it was going to take a lot longer than it did, but I'm excited because I'm getting rid of all the things I don't wear, and I'm going to be able to um, buy some things that I will wear more and that will um, work for multiple outfits. But anyways, so today we are going to talk about a fifth attack that Satan um, very strongly attacks our culture with. Um, And honestly, I didn't plan on talking about this one at all. I didn't really think about it until I was listening to um, Sadie Robertson Huff and her husband Christian Huff. They do a little blog or vlog series on YouTube. And I was watching their latest vlog episode, and Sadie started talking about Ecclesiastes 11, um, and started talking about, like, doubting yourself and doubting the purpose that God has given you and doubting, you know, well, are my efforts going to be blessed? Like, are they going to... um, bring forth fruit and everything. And it really resonated with me. So I figured we would talk about doubt, um, which is a very heavy topic when you get into it. So um, I'm not going to cover every part of doubt and every question that people may have because we we could be here for a very long time doing that. And personally, I don't necessarily feel like I'm the best person to talk about some of that stuff. I don't think that I am the most wise person or knowledgeable about certain doubt questions that a lot of people have. Um, but we're going to we're going to do our best to cover some of this stuff some of the doubts that Christians deal with so i am following in Sadie's footsteps and we're going to talk about Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5 through 6 i'm going to read those verses from the New American Standard Bible for us Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes everything. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether one or the other will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. So the first thing I want to talk about is um, doubting ourselves. I think a lot of times 
most Christians will go through a phase of doubt. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doubting God's existence or, you know, doubting certain characteristics of God. Um, Sometimes it's just you doubt his goodness or you doubt his power or you doubt his strength or you doubt that he can use you and you doubt that what you're trying to put effort into is doing any good. Um, And, you know, we as children of God, we are loved and we are forgiven and we will forever be children of God. The Bible tells us that no man, nothing can remove us from the hand of God. No man, no demon, no sickness, no death, nothing will remove us from the, the hand of God. Um, and I personally haven't struggled with knowing that, but I have struggled with knowing what I'm supposed to be doing and knowing if what I'm doing is actually doing any good. Um, so when it comes to like who we are meant to be, I think that a lot of times religious people complicate what's actually a very simple relationship. Jesus lays out exactly how we are to serve him. He says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I think a lot of times traditional religion tries to overcomplicate Christianity because, you know, they say, oh, you you have to do these traditions or you have to you know, go on a certain number of mission trips. You have to volunteer a certain number of hours a week. You have to tithe um, a certain number that the Bible doesn't talk about. And I do agree with tithing 10%, but I, I think that some people will say like, oh, well, that's, that's, not enough, or you, that's not the right number, or you shouldn't tie. And, you know, religious leaders and people will try to set up all of these rules that aren't actually in the Bible. I mean, we see that all the time with the Pharisees, where they were very legalistic, and they were very much um, hard-hearted, and very unempathetic and very slow to forgive and quick to anger, um, basically the opposite of Jesus. And so I think it's actually very comforting to read these words of Jesus because it shows us that all he really wants from us is us to love him with everything we are and then to love other people. Um, 
he says in Matthew twenty-eight, seventeen through 20, this is where he tells us like how we can serve him. So he set up that like loving him first is how, how we should live and loving others. But then, you know, like, what do we do with that love? So this passage in Matthew 28 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here Jesus lays out, you know, like what we do with that love for him and for others. We go and we tell the world about his love and we share that and we share the gospel. And I think when you look at these two passages, it makes it a lot easier to grasp your head around living for Jesus. And it's it's not a religious checklist of things that you should and shouldn't do. It's about loving God with everything that you are. And as we'll see in a minute, the Bible tells us that as we love God more, that will affect our actions. And that will affect the way that we live. Um, I think another doubt that a lot of people, a lot of Christians have is that God will use us at all or in what we're doing. And I have definitely felt that with this podcast. Um, and I know I, last year I didn't put as much time and effort into making episodes as frequently as I probably should have. Um, but now I'm struggling with, you know, well, not that many people listen to this podcast. And am I truly sharing biblical truth? Like, are my words biblical? And is God using me to speak truth into somebody's life? And you know, is this podcast going to grow? Is it going to be able to reach more people? Um, and that's why the Ecclesiastes verse stood out to me so much is because it, it says, you know, in the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So it says, you know, like, you don't know what God is going to use you for. You don't know, like, which things you do are going to bring about blessings or if they're not. And so, therefore, you shouldn't hold back from certain things, especially if you know God has called you to them. Because whether or not you see it or whether you not you think it's going to happen... God can still use that. He can still bless people through it. He can still bless you through it. Um, and, you know, that's a great reminder for me 
with this podcast, and I hope it's a great reminder for you in whatever you feel God has called you to do. You know, maybe that's just being present in your job and putting in your best effort into your job. Um, And maybe it's a job you don't love, but you know that working in this job will help you get to the better job or the dream job. Or maybe it's being present and fully engaged in being a parent and really working on showing your child God's love and the gospel. Maybe it's putting in more effort into your friendships and speaking truth into your friendships. You know, whatever your situation is, we we aren't the ones who decide if it will bring about blessing or not. That's up to God. So we, therefore, should put equal amounts of effort, which should be our full effort, into everything we do and everything God calls us to do. Um... I wanted to also look at Galatians 6, 7 through 10 for this, because it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. And if we do not give up, So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good for everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So here Paul is telling us, you know, like, if you put effort into and time into things of the flesh, you're going to reap, quote-unquote, blessings of the flesh, which is corruption and death. But when you put in effort and time into the spirit and spending time with Jesus and doing what he calls us to do um, in Matthew, which is loving him and loving others and making his the gospel known, you're going to be blessed spiritually from that with eternal life. And I believe you also will receive blessings in this life. Um, It is a blessing to grow closer to God. It is a blessing to become more like him and have more of the fruits of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit within you. And Paul also says, you know, don't grow tired of doing good. For in due season, we will reap benefits. We will be blessed. And I think that's another thing a lot of Christians struggle with is, you know, doing good and trying to follow God and trying to love God and love others every day over and over. And sometimes it's hard to see the blessings from that. And sometimes, you know, we don't see the blessings. Um, And it's hard to remember that we don't do those things to see the blessings. We do those things to give God glory. And sometimes we don't necessarily see his name being glorified because we enter a situation, we do what we're supposed to, and then we're removed from the situation. And so we don't, we don't see the blessings and that can be hard to keep persevering and keep doing good. But, um, 
like Paul tells us here, we will eventually see the blessings. And it might be when we get to heaven. But if you think about it, we will be in heaven forever. And our life is only a few years in comparison. So, you know, not seeing the blessings now will not be a big deal at all when we're in heaven getting to experience the full blessings of God. Um, I think um, another thing that Christians often struggle with is like, well, how, how do I show that I love God? How do people know that I love God? Because you don't necessarily have the opportunity to sit down and talk to every single person you interact with and go into depth about the gospel of of Jesus and dive into the Bible and you don't always get to like build a relationship um, with every person you interact with. And I think that these verses that I'm about to read um, are very helpful in kind of understanding and thinking about that question. In John 13 verse 34 through through 35 it says a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another you know it's pretty straightforward <laughs> loving one another um is how we show jesus being a loving patient peacemaking person when culture around us tells us to be individualistic and selfish and let it be known if you're offended. You know, the world and our culture tells us to pretty much right now, it's telling us to be the opposite of love. And so therefore, by representing true love, that complete forgiving unconditional, ever-patient, ever-fulfilling love, we will stand out and we will show light to the darkness. Galatians 5, 16 and 24 through 25 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So again, loving God and letting Him work on your heart and transform your heart to mirror Him and to embrace the fruits of the Holy Spirit as you grow closer to God those will be manifested in your actions and in your words. If God fills your heart, that is what will overflow. And that's why it's important to love God. That's why that's, that's why Jesus tells us that's the first commandment because through loving God, our entire life is changed and we will stand out and we will be able to show people God's love. And we, It'll create opportunities to talk about the gospel. You know, like I've said before, I'm a nurse. And 
I talk to some of my patients about God, but it's not every patient. Um, because I realize that some people, when you don't have time to build a deep relationship and a trusting relationship with somebody over a good amount of time, it can sometimes be hard to dive straight into, you know, telling somebody they're a sinner and they need forgiveness and you need God, repent for your sins, love Jesus. You know, that can, sometimes people aren't going to be open to that conversation. And so I don't always have the opportunity to just flat out talk about Jesus with somebody and to quote scripture to them and to speak truth into their life. But I do have the opportunity to love every single person that I interact with and every single patient that I have like God would. And I've talked about it before. I take care of incarcerated individuals, people from jail. And I very strongly have felt God tell me to love them because society does not show them love. They don't get love and respect the same way that, you know, some random person on the street would. And obviously they've made mistakes and they are serving their time for that. But I am not the one who is to judge them on whatever mistake they've made. I am called to love them. And so by being nice and being kind and being patient with them, that is how I love them. That is how I show them light in a very dark situation for them. And I've had multiple people comment about, you know, how nice I am or how soothing it is, comforting it is, how happy they are that I'm their nurse that day, um, you know, and just thanking me. And, you know, I try to take time and talk to my patients when I can. And so I say all of that to tell you that, you know, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to dive into the gospel and to go into depth about Jesus. But you do have the opportunity to show love to every person you interact with. And that's through being loving, but like, you know, being patient and not, you know, going off on somebody and not cussing somebody out or letting somebody get in front of you. Um, you know, doing the kind things. I think that's how we, a way we can stand out. So next we're going to talk about another type of doubt that Christians struggle, struggle with. And it's not as much about doubting, you know, our purpose and um, how God can use us but it's doubting God himself, doubting his existence, or if he's good, if he's sovereign. And like I said before, I don't feel necessarily qualified to talk about this super in-depth, but I do want to cover a couple things. And I'm going to use the help of a 
very good book. It is called The Reason for God. It is by Timothy Keller. Um, and Tim Keller has written some amazing books. Um, in addition to this one, he is a, he's very wise and knowledgeable and has a very good way at diving deep into scripture and explaining what it means and how that applies to our life in a very practical way. So, um, we're going to, I'm just going to read a couple quotes from him covering different questions that some people will have. And I encourage you that if these questions are things that you think about, or if you've struggled with, or if you are struggling with, I really recommend getting this book. And I also recommend telling somebody that you're having these questions because nothing is wrong with asking questions. The problem is when we don't try to go find the answer because Satan will use asking the question and let it linger and let it marinate and he'll break down our belief system if we just let that question linger and we don't go look for an answer because there is a biblical answer to all of these questions and you know it's it's another whole nother topic if um somebody is struggling with the reliability of the bible or you know if somebody is an atheist and they don't believe in the bible at all that's a completely different subject but um the first question we're going to look at is why do bad things happen and if you read tim keller's book he talks about this in chapter two so this is where i'm going to get most of my quotes from um quote number one just because you can't see or imagine a good reason why god might allow something to happen doesn't mean that there can't be one Again, we see lurking within supposedly hard-nosed skepticism an enormous faith in one's own cognitive faculties. So basically he's saying just because you can't think of a reason that God would have something happen or allow it to happen doesn't mean that there isn't a reason. And a lot of times people have a lot of faith in their own understanding when we're called to have faith in God. And to go along with that, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We know that the heart is deceitful. And so everything we think, it's not necessarily true. I a weight was lifted from my life when I realized that, that I don't have to believe everything I think because a lot of those thoughts are from Satan and their lies and their whispers that he tries to slip in to get you distracted from God. Um, another quote from the book says, many assume that if there were good reasons for the existence of evil, 
they would be accessible to our minds. This argument against God doesn't hold up, not only to logic, but also to experience. Many people have to admit that most of what they really needed for success in life came to them through their most difficult and painful experiences. So this kind of is just like um, like a practical, I guess, thing where, you know, yes, bad things happen and we don't know why sometimes, but a lot of times through those bad situations and those hard times of life, that's when the most growth happens for us and that's when we are able to step into who we really are meant to be or we're able to, you know, find success after that valley because going through that valley prepared us and shaped us into who we needed to be when we got to the mountaintop. Psalm 35b says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. You know, same same concept. Sorrow doesn't last forever. There will be a light at the end of the tunnel, and there, there will be a blessing that comes from hard times. Even if we don't see it in this life, there will be a blessing. Third quote from the book says, It is therefore a mistake, though an understandable one, to think that if you abandon belief in God, it somehow makes the problem of of evil easier to handle. I like this quote because it basically just really simply lays out, you know, like, yeah, there's evil in the world, but just because you decide that you don't believe in God or, you know, deny his existence, that doesn't make evil go away. It doesn't make it easier to handle. So saying that God doesn't exist because there's evil isn't a valid argument. Um, Tim Keller also points out and um, uses the support of multiple scripture references to show us that even Jesus suffered. You know, he was not um, exempt from having to deal with the suffering that comes from evil in the world. In Mark 14, 33 through 36, and Luke 22, 42 through 44, um, it talks about this. You know, Jesus, it says Jesus was in agony and sorrow. So he didn't want to die and suffer, but he more so wanted to do God's will because he loves God. And he did not let his suffering and potential suffering get in the way of him doing God's will. And neither should we. Um, in chapter 5, Tim Keller covers, you know, an, another question that, and another doubt that a lot of people have, which is the existence of hell. Um, and is God really just if he sends people to hell? Um, so this quote that I'm about to read is actually Tim Keller quoting another person, but the quote says, 
Think how we feel when we see someone we love ravaged by unwise actions or relationships. Do we respond with benign tolerance as we might towards strangers? Far from it. Anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. God's wrath is not a cranky explosion, but his settled opposition to the cancer which is eating out the insides of the human race he loves with his whole being. I love this quote because, you know, the reality of hell is hard to wrap your mind around, especially when we say that God is loving and God is just. But I love this quote because it's, you know, it's basically saying, like, God's not slamming the door in our face when he sends people to hell. He's not just, you know, walking around stomping his feet. The door is always open. He invites us in. He calls us in. He wants every single person to come in and be in his presence and love him and experience the full blessings of his love. But he also gives us free will. And some people choose that they don't want to be in God's presence. They don't want to serve God. They don't want to love God. And because of that, they can't be in his presence. And the opposite of his presence is what we call hell. Um, It's an absence of any blessings from God, any of the benefits and blessings of his characteristics. Um. Tim Keller, I'm going to end with this quote because it just, it wraps that whole thing up perfectly. All God does in the end with people is give them what they most want, including freedom from himself. What could be more fair than that? So I'm going to close with that. And I know that we could dive a lot deeper into this topic. Um, But we're going to we're going to close with with what we've done. So I hope that you are encouraged and you find some comfort comfort and um inspiration in what we've talked about today and I hope you remember that serving God is really just as simple as loving him and loving those around us in whatever way God tells us to do that in whatever ways and opportunities he gives us you can probably guess what i'm going to recommend for this episode but it is in fact the reason for god by timothy keller um this book is i mean you heard some quotes for from it already It's a wonderful book, especially if you or somebody you know is struggling with those, like, uh, deep intellectual questions about the existence of God and the goodness of God. Timothy Keller does an amazing job at very intelligently and purposefully and academically laying out arguments against many of the atheist points of view. Um, And he goes over 
a lot of those deep questions that many people have and many people struggle with, like we talked about in this episode. So I, there's like two parts to the book. One part is Timothy Keller going over those questions. Um, And there's like a different chapter for each question. And then in the second part of the book, he goes over um, more of, it's like a, a little bit more about how we see God, who God is, um, that kind of thing. Um, once you've, it's kind of like once you've established that, okay, yes, God exists. Now we go into learning about God. Um, so I highly recommend it. Timothy Keller is definitely one of my favorite Christian authors. And I honestly probably recommend anything he writes. Um, I've read another book by him that I really, really enjoyed. It's another one that I recommend to everybody. It's called The Meaning of Marriage. And I recommend it to literally everybody I know that gets engaged and or like just recently married. So very much recommend you go get this book. Um, It should be available at Barnes and Nobles and Two Bad Lifeway isn't a thing anymore. probably find it on Amazon too. Um, I will look and if I will just, I'll put a link with, um, with this episode so that you can easily go find it. So yeah, I hope y'all have a great weekend and, um, I hope that you are encouraged and inspired to go love Jesus and love others and walk in full purpose in showing this culture and this world his love and the gospel.